0: Hi, I'm Clara and welcome to the Practice with Clara podcast, where we dive into yoga philosophy, alignment, my experience, and all things yoga related, which has been my passion for the last 20 years. In today's podcast, we go into yoga teacher training, the difference between a 200 and 300 hour program. What is yoga alliance? Why is it important? The difference between online versus in-person trainings and some key learnings that I have received over the many years that I've been offering trainings. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, enjoy.
1: Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Welcome to the Practice with Clara uh, Morning Gathering. Our theme this week is vulnerability. And on Wednesdays, we talk about the business of yoga, all things related to managing your business as a yoga teacher. And today we're going to discuss teacher trainings. I thought it would be fun to dive into the world of teacher trainings because we discussed uh, the world of retreats on our last Wednesday's podcast like a month ago. So, yeah. And also it's interesting for me uh, to see how people are shifting all of their trainings online. So I thought we would talk to Claire today about Uh, when she started her teacher trainings what's involved in the process and then where she sees this uh, movement going yeah Clara
0: where do you want me to start
1: (laughs) so I'd love you to start uh, with where when you started your teacher trainings when did your teacher training uh, first begin so your 200 hour let's say
0: yeah, so um I actually started with my 300 hour and not my 200 hour in terms of my school and okay. um, so kind of the back my background in terms of of being part of teacher training is uh I was part of other faculties of teacher training including Semper Viva here in Vancouver and Sonic Yoga in New York City and uh, had been doing that for a couple of years and then in 2013 I opened my own school the Lila School of Vinyasa Yoga. And my vision around that is that I wanted to teach the 300 hour program, which is the advanced curriculum uh, for those of us uh, who are unfamiliar with it. So the 200 hours, your foundational training, it teaches you basically how to teach yoga. And then a 300 hour is kind of the continuing education or what I like to call the the college or university level of, uh, of teacher training. And I had um, been working on my 300 hour with my teacher, Shiva Ray, for about five years loved the program loved doing it I felt like I had learned so much that I wanted to offer the same program because there are a ton of 200 hour teacher training programs but at that point there weren't a lot of 300 hours and so my vision around that was to um, have small communities of um, teacher trainings come together and that was one thing that I really uh, missed in my 300 hour in my 300 hour program with Shiva there usually was an average about between 60 to 80 people in each training which is a lot wow. of people yeah. and which is beautiful and it has a very different um, rhythm to it but um, Hold on two seconds, I just realized something. Hold on two seconds. Alright, Thank you. Um, so, uh, so the programs were very, very large, which again had a, had a, had its benefits to it. But I really love intimacy. And that was one thing that I had noticed when I talked about in our last, um, our last program together about the business of yoga is like the first retreat I led yeah. in Bali. We had, I had six people and I actually loved it. I made absolutely no money, but I had, um, such a beautiful experience with the people that I was with. And I felt like we had really become a family. So So one of my visions around creating a um, a school of yoga is I wanted it to be intimate groups where we would walk out of the program with a very deep bond. Mm. And uh, as we've talked about before, I find that as a yoga teacher, it's so important to have a community of people that you can run uh, ideas by and kind of hold you accountable. And again, I feel like with smaller groups, you're more likely to kind of walk away with a stronger um, relationship with the people that you're with. Fast forward, uh, finished my my 300 hour program with Shiva and I decided I wanted to lead because some people had been asking me if I would lead a a training. And so um, I created my 300 hour program based on having between 6 to 12 people depending upon where we were in the world. And then that way we could again create a a family together and also to give a lot of personal um, hands on and also like personal uh, touch energetic and and verbal touch with everybody and so part of the program that is different than other programs is I have everybody teach and then I give feedback and they do that a couple of times so that's why we need a small group because if you had a very large group no everybody wouldn't be able to teach uh, a class or else we'd be teaching class or we'd be taking class all day that was long and winded, but there it was. (laughs) So that was in 2013 that I created this program and my vision around it at that point was to do it in two modules. So my program that I had been a part of had been many different modules that you could take at different times, which is beautiful. But again, the dropping in and out, you're not necessarily with the same community of people. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to create a program where we really got to know each other. So when I first created this program, it was two modules and the first module was three weeks Ooh. Wow. yeah so three weeks is a long time but the idea of that is that we would go live somewhere together and just immerse ourselves in the learning and teaching and growing community together and so the first one I did was actually on Hornby Island which is a tiny little island off of Vancouver Island here in British Columbia Canada and we lived in the forest and cool. uh, those of us who were in the program I, uh, I'm still very good friends and we're all still very connected there were uh, eight women in that program and we essentially lived in the forest and practiced in a yurt and uh, lived off the grid for three weeks together and um, did all things yoga related which was amazing and then from there that from that program from the three weeks they had six months of homework and then we would meet somewhere else and generally I would take us to somewhere uh, beautiful and warm so we went to Baja Mexico and then the second part of the program, I would bring in my anatomy teacher, and uh, we would dive into philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so the first module is all theoretical and like breaking down the asanas and adjustments and all that kind of stuff. And then the second one was all philosophy, esoteric. And then I would have uh, my anatomy teacher come in and and uh, and share their their um, thoughts about injury and how to work with people with injury.
1: And so. Uh, I know, to my understanding with Yoga Alliance, you now need to offer the 200 hour as well as the 300 hour, or in order to to teach a 300 hour. So maybe speak a little bit, Clara, the difference between the 200 hour and the 300 hour, and what the 300 hour is building on from your 200 hour training. Because now you offer, and you offer both, so you can talk about who and
0: what you do in your 200 hour. So, um... So probably for the first two years that I had my school, I only had a 300-hour. I was essentially a continuing education program. And then Yoga Alliance changed it and was like, actually, you need to have... you need to be, uh, you need to essentially be a 500-hour school, so 200-hour and a 300-hour program mm-hmm. together. And so um, I didn't want to teach the 200-hour program by myself because I teach the 300-hour by myself, so um, I enlisted my friend and colleague, Carolyn and Budgel, to come and teach it with me. She and I had been working together on other projects for quite some time, and I felt like we had a lot of similar um, views and understanding and methods of the teaching as well as some great differences and I felt like we balanced each other out quite well so our 200 hour program the first ones we did we did them in t- intensives because it's essentially you need hundred and seventy contact hours to mm. make the program so we would do it over 23 days in Thailand which was so interesting so we did Thailand two years in a row and uh, that was that was a, an adventure in and of itself And so we would live in the jungle for uh, 25 days or 23 days. And again, my whole thought around it being an immersive experience is that again when we step out of our everyday and we go into just the practice without having to worry about laundry and kids and all the other things that can distract us I find that we have a lot more uh, personal transformation and a lot more time to reflect on really what the practice is about So that when people walk out of the program they have a very deep connection to the practice because they've been doing it every day for three hours a day the practice itself and then learning about it for you know, another eight hours a day. So... So that's the difference between the 200 hour and the 300. And so again, the 200 hour is a foundational program. That's great for anybody. Like a lot of people ask me like, oh, I don't want to teach yoga, but I want to learn more about yoga. And I'm like the 200 hour is amazing. Any 200 hour pretty much is amazing for that. Cause what it's going to do is give you the foundation of like how the poses come together, what the anatomy should look like, not only in your own body, but in other bodies, right? The philosophy, the history. And so that is again, a great starter. I call it like the high school of, uh, or the intro of, um, of the of the teacher trainings and then the three hundred hour what I like to call we 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 get super geeky. So it could be even like the 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 two hundred hour is like a bachelor's and the three hundred hours is a master's, you're really diving into particular things very deeply.
1: And what do you need to open your own yoga school? Like what what are the credentials involved to have a yoga program? Are we talking about in terms
0: of yoga alliance or we're talking about just in general?
1: Break down both. That would be great. Let's talk about both. Let's talk about Yoga Alliance. Okay. <laughs> A little so bit. With, with, yoga,
0: with yoga, so if you're unfamiliar with what Yoga Alliance is, Yoga Alliance essentially is our governing body that was created, I, I'm pretty sure, in Texas, somewhere in the uh, southwest of America. And it was created about 15, I think 15 years ago because essentially before that there had been no governing body and traditionally how you became a yoga teacher is you actually studied with your teacher and then when your teacher felt like you were ready to embark and teach then you would start essentially teaching some of their classes or you teach a part of their class and then when they felt like you were ready then you usually would teach at their studio so that's traditionally how it was done and then probably about fifteen or twenty years ago as uh, yoga became super popular at least in the states is a lot of people wanted to teach So studios started creating their own programs, and that's essentially Mm. how um, I feel like teacher training started in the west. People used to go back east. They used to go to India and study in India and then come back and teach it. So they would study with the teachers of their teachers. But again, um, as it became more of a big mass scale, it's like people didn't want to go to India. What were they going to do? So people started creating teacher trainings. Now, the people who created Yoga Alliance saw a great uh, business opportunity to step in because there was no, again, like I said, governing body of like, what are the standards for teaching yoga? So Yoga Alliance was created. And as yoga teachers, as well as yoga schools, we pay them a fee um, every year to be essentially a yeah. part of their, of their uh, governing body or where or, or we are. Uh, we essentially have passed the test to be able to teach there. So if you were to go to Yoga Alliance, um, the website, you would see all the schools that are certified by them. And so they, uh, they, yeah, so they were created about 15, 20 years ago, and they essentially created a format that they felt like all schools should follow in order to be um, certified by Yoga Alliance. And so one of them I brought up before was um, 170 contact hours. You needed to be with the teacher for 170 contact hours, and then 30 hours needed to be, uh, practical as well as uh, homework, and so breaking down those 170 contact hours, you needed a certain amount for anatomy, you needed a certain amount for philosophy, for um, for alignment, for teaching, for all those kinds of things. So. Um, they break that down and then essentially when you apply to be a school there is a curriculum that you have to uh, follow and then there you have to essentially give them your syllabus and so you fill out it's a lot of paperwork I'm just gonna say that now it's a lot of paperwork to fill out and so you fill out essentially all the criteria and what you would be doing and who would be teaching it and um, then you would send it to them and they would approve it or not approve it depending the unfortunate part about Yoga Alliance a lot of us have trouble with is that As a governing body they actually never really they never really check they never come and check on the program so the only or not the only the way that you can become a school is you need to have taught for two years a certain amount of hours for two years okay and uh, and then you can become a teacher and I have a bit of a problem with that because generally just thinking about, like as uh, Malcolm Gladwell said so beautifully, like in order to become a master of anything, you need to put in ten thousand hours, yeah and you're definitely not putting in ten thousand hours when you've been teaching for two years unless you all you do is teach yoga and you don't even eat or do anything else um. <laughs> and i was i was doing that and i felt like i didn't even get my did that hours but um so yeah so that that's yoga alliances idea behind that and then i have a couple of uh people that i mentor that ask like when is it appropriate for me to open a school or when mm. do you think i should be offering the program or a, tr- a training and i feel like the biggest the biggest question to ask yourself if you want to start to offer trainings is um do i feel do I feel like I've, I've studied this and immersed myself enough in this that it is embodied? And so that where I'm coming from and what I'm sharing, I feel very strongly aligned with and I understand how I got there, where to go, and then kind of the bigger picture around that. Mm. And so that would, be the, that would be my biggest piece of advice for people who are looking to um, start offering trainings or workshops or whatever is how confident am I in it, right? And how confident am I in it? because regardless of how long you've been doing it, there's always gonna be someone else in the room that maybe has been doing it for longer than you. And so part of it is having the confidence to be like, this is what I know, and then also being able to say, this is what I don't know.
1: Another great piece of advice you gave me, Clara, years ago was uh, that your 200 hour, as you've been saying, is the foundation, and then to keep learning to take another 200 hour, or your 300 hour, or intensives, or whatever, and keep building on your knowledge and tasting all the variety of teaching and teachers and what they provide so you have a strong foundation in this is how I want to teach, this is what I want to offer, and maybe also this is not how I want to teach, this is not what I want to offer. Because it, it, it rounds out your understanding of the philosophy, the mythology, and the movement practice when you see how a lot of different people are, are offering it at least in my experience
0: yes and so kind of building on what you're just saying Steph, is um, continue learning I mean I continue <laughs> learn I, I still take at least one training a year I feel like it's really important to continue to learn about all things and so um, in my first five years of teaching yoga I did not teach teacher training or offer workshops but I went to at least three trainings mm. a year so I pretty much just spent all my money uh, on training so I just worked eight and uh, went to training, and I found that that was really important. Like Steph just said, uh, because it gives you it gives you a it gives you more knowledge, but b it also it's really important to see how other people facilitate. Yeah, and so going to trainings does that. And then the other one we kind of talked about this when we talked about retreats is to um, to assist or to mentor with your teachers, the people that you um, really respect. And by doing that, you're going to learn, you're going to kind of see their behind the scenes and learn how they do their programs. And so in that way, you're like, if that works, you're like, you go to a training or you work with a teacher and you're like, I really love what they're doing. Then, you know, and this is a a very traditional way of doing it is that you go and you ask to mentor with them or to yeah follow them around uh, and essentially just learn all that you can simply by watching and being with them and witnessing. And then again, having that back that like um, behind-the-scenes access to the to the teachings
1: so maybe share uh, some of your behind-the-scenes knowledge in uh, obstacles that you've experienced in hosting teacher trainings over the years some of the obstacles that you have come across that you wouldn't have anticipated or um, yeah
0: that you you'd never anticipate Okay, so uh, I think I think two of my largest two of my largest learnings that I learned that I uh, that I took away from the first two trainings that I led, so the three hundred hour and then uh, our the first two hundred hour we did in Thailand. So the first three hundred hour, um, I had written on the um, I had written on the application that two hundred hour teacher training is required in order to do this, but I didn't ask for anybody's certificates. I mm-hmm. didn't like you know kind of dive into that, and then on the first day of the the 300 hour and we just you know entered the forest we just did our opening um, ceremony I you know I had one of the students come up to me and say oh uh, it seems as though everybody has their 200 hour uh, teacher training I don't have that and I was like okay Um, and she was like well what do you think we should do around this and I said you know you're meant to be here like that's just it. My takeaway with that is that part of uh, doing my homework before yeah. I let people into the program is that I actually get them to fill out and send me their certificate so that way I know that they have done a 200-hour program so that I don't <laughs> have that happen again so that would be the first thing is like do your homework make sure that everybody is uh, qualified to be there and so an extensive application process is, is very 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 encouraged I definitely did not have that in my first one I wasn't as organized and then in our 200-hour uh, program So a lot of 200-hour programs don't have a prerequisite, but we do. And our prerequisite is that you have been practicing um, yoga on a regular basis for two years. And regular basis Mm -hmm. is between three to five yoga classes a week for two years. And ideally, you've been doing vinyasa yoga for two years, because that's the program that we teach, the style is is vinyasa yoga. But... um, or not but and so I had one woman um, apply who uh, had done yoga off and on for years but, and she was a dance teacher she'd been a dance teacher for about 15 years and wanted to kind of uh, start adding yoga to her um, to her resume and I was like yeah sure come you know like no problem and then what I realized from that experience is that um, why we ask people to have been doing it for two years is for t- the practice to be very embodied yeah. because in order to teach something, it should be embodied, and so my mistake on that one is I thought that since she had was a dancer and had lived in her body, um, that she would have that, and she did, she had the physical aspect of it, but in terms of the bhakti, the devotion, the understanding of where and why we do this practice, did not live in her body, because that's not mm. where she was from, and so it really changed the dynamic in terms of Her learning as well as um, the group's dynamic around the program so I feel like one thing I learned about that is really if you've got guidelines stick to those guidelines Mm -hmm. because uh, we were trying to cultivate a very specific bhavana and one of devotion so um, yeah I would those are the like the two biggest lessons that I learned for myself that I was like okay I created this create these guidelines make sure to stick to them and also make sure to do the research with your students before you bring them in
1: hmm. and what would you say for uh, the mood cultivating the mood the above another energy of the group because I like what you're talking about around intimacy and a lot of the teacher trainings you host they're not more than 20 people how are you as the teacher Uh, the anchor what are some of the ways that you can give uh, listeners either yoga teachers who want to host a training or a workshop how to be that placeholder that anchor in the group to cultivate a certain mood or energy because you do that very well in all of Mm -hmm. the the trainings that you've hosted I've been part of
0: yeah I think hmm that's like a very big (laughs) it's a very big question so i'm just i'm just thinking of like where do i want to go with this so the biggest thing that the biggest piece of advice of creating bhavana not only in a teacher training but also in a yoga class Mm. is to um to be very clear about what it is that you want to create and Mm. what i mean by that is do I want to create a safe space? Do I want to create a space of devotion? Do I want to create a space of learning? Do I want to create a space of reflection? Right? What do I want to uh, What do I want to encourage my students, or my student teachers, to be experiencing while they're in it? Okay, mm-hmm. and sometimes um, we don't. We have a sense of what we want, and then based on the group, and this is what I love about doing group work is like. You walk in and you know this we know this is yoga teachers you walk in with an understanding of what it is you're going to teach in a regular yoga class and then based on what's happening in the room and what people are coming to the mat with you'll sometimes kind of change things or weave other things around to kind of feed the whole group and honor what's happening in the group so with teacher training I always always my intention for us when we're together is for it to be a co- creative space Mm -hmm. so uh, one of the biggest ways that I do this and I learned this from my teacher Shiva is that we always sit in a circle when we do discussion and when we do practice because then there's no hierarchy I'm not standing in front of the room and everybody is watching me instead we're in a circle and Mm -hmm. I always start every training uh, with this idea of we all step into the group and we all um, have a we all have a job or we all have a uh, reason that we have been brought to this group and Mm. so may we as we step into the group you know take our seat and our responsibility of how we're going to feed this this Mm. community so that would be one of the biggest things that i personally do is like is i'm very clear of this is not a hierarchy right i'm a facilitator creating space and we're doing it together and so how i do that is literally in the physical space create a circle Uh, if I can, if the room has the space for it. And then the other other part of it is to remember not to take anything personally, especially in teacher training and leading retreats. We don't know what people are coming to the mat with or coming to the program with, and so especially when you're doing intensives, as things begin to arise in the group, to be able to step back and hold space for it um, without taking whatever's coming up personally. And I feel like sometimes, especially when I mentor some teachers, they have a harder time uh, working with this because if intense emotions arise, and you're the one who's kind of asking the questions, it can be directed uh, at you, that energy can be directed at you, so part of being the teacher is recognizing this actually has nothing to do with me, it's just an emotion that's arising, (laughs) and so can I hold space for this person to go through this emotion without being like, why are they feeling this way about me, or like, what's going, you know, like, and taking it personally. So be clear of your intention, right, what kind of space you want to create you know, do that in a physical, energetic and, uh, and mental manner, meaning how Mm. you hold, how you create the physical space, what you come in with in terms of your own luggage and what you can let go of. And then, um, reminding everybody that we're creating this space together. Great answer (laughs) on the fly. (laughs)
1: Okay. Last one. Um, Moving forward, and in your own 300 hour that I was part of, that was paused, we are hopefully reinitiating in August. What would you say for um, yoga teachers who are contemplating hosting their own retreat or experience, and perhaps moving it online? Like, in the landscape of yoga teacher training, what are you looking at for yourself? Even just thinking in terms of, in August, if we're not allowed to be in a room with 20 people, Um, How will you, how are you going to pivot?
0: If you even uh, considered this. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know yet. So um, before COVID, Yoga Alliance was very, very adamant to not having anything online in terms Mm. of training. If you want to have contact hours there, like prerequisite was you have to be able to shake the teacher's hand. So if you can't Mm. shake the the physical hand of the teacher, then it's not considered uh, a contact hour since covid they have they have pivoted yoga lines has pivoted and they're allowing people to uh, they're allowing schools to offer their programs online because we're social distancing there's no way that we can uh, offer the programs in person now that being said i don't know what i'm going to do because a large part of the first and second module i've mixed the two modules together in this year but generally it's three modules but um Uh, or generally it's two modules and I've broken them up into three uh, is that the first part of the program is super physical and the second part is super esoteric so I don't think and we we as a group the 300 hour talked about as a group I I don't want to offer it um, remotely because if we're doing hands-on adjustments and you're standing by yourself imagining that you're touching a student right you're not going to we're not going to get the same benefits so I don't know I don't know what's going to happen. The one good thing is that the program is small. So I think that once we're allowed to be together, then we're going to be able to do it because we'll be a small enough group. Cause I think yeah. the biggest thing is they don't want more than 15 people together. And I think we're 12, so it's going to yeah. be perfect. Um, but I now, yeah, I think that the philosophy part of the uh, program I could absolutely offer online, but like all the theoretical stuff, we need to be together. I need to see them teaching. I need to see them moving through the space. I need to see how they are holding um, holding the seat of the teacher. And I, I, we can't do that on Zoom. Yeah.
1: So just have smaller groups is the key takeaway of that, really, to kind of maneuver around the distancing measures, if, that, if that's what it comes to, is keep it, keep it intimate, which has many benefits.
0: Yes, it many benefits, like... and then some people have a harder time with it because you can't hide. <laughs> 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 oh, that's good. Cool. Thank you Thank you so much uh for asking such great questions staff and uh to those of us uh, those of you who joined us today thank you so much uh for taking the time to be with us and to sending us so much love and some of the questions that came on the Facebook page were really great and so if you're uh not familiar on Friday we're going to do AMA which is ask mm-hmm. me anything and so if you, there is anything that you want me to answer I saw a couple questions that came up here um on the uh on the feed Um, We'll answer them on Friday. But if there's any other questions that you have that are not here, you can go ahead and go to the Practice with Clara uh, community Facebook page and uh, post those questions there, and we'll answer them on Friday. And so, again, we've been doing this. We just brought back the podcast, Steph and I, and we're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, instead of every day, just because I have real mama life right now. And uh, Mondays, we break down um, a theme and we go into philosophy. And a little bit of practice so i usually offer a meditation or pranayam, and then on wednesdays we kind of go into the business uh, of yoga so that includes teaching as well as being a uh, an independent contractor and so if you have any questions on that you can always post that and then on fridays is ama so i leave you with a question because we always do and we'll yeah. post it on the on the facebook page so feel free to answer it there we'd love we love reading your answers and it, again it makes us feel like we're together because during this time period especially, it feels like since we're isolated, we, the only way that we can be together is virtually, so I would love mm-hmm. to, I would love to hear from you. And so the question that I pose to, to you, so to my, to my teacher friends, to my yoga teacher friends, the question is, what do you want your students to experience in your class? Okay, and then those of us who are students, What experience are you seeking when you come to a yoga class? Mm. Okay, so both sides of the coin for those of us who are teachers, what experience are we looking to offer our students in our class? And then those of us who are students, what do we go to the yoga class seeking? Yeah. So Steph, always an absolute joy to be with you sister. And uh, thank you everybody who joined us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on Friday. Thank you. Bye guys. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Practice with Clara app. That's mine. I've created almost a hundred yoga classes for you to do at home or on the go, and they're available to you on your favorite device, including mobile, desktop, and TV. These classes include vinyasa, slow flow, hatha, restorative, yin, mantra, meditation, I also just had a baby, so I created prenatal yoga for all four trimesters. So head over to clararobertsos.com join to learn more. Or search for the Practice with Clara app at your favorite app store. There's a seven-day free trial, so no commitment. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We've got lots of good stuff in store for you. Until next time, namaste.